Dispelling the thinking about a private faith. Here is Pastor Ed Taylor. Your faith is not a private matter. It is not private. It's public. You live in the public square. You have people that love you and care for you. Faith is not private. It's public. It's to be seen. You might say, well, wait a minute. I'm just going to say I have faith. You can have works. I'll have faith. It's both. And the only way people know you have faith is by your works. This is amazing grace. While some things about our relationship with the Lord is private and personal, in general, it's to be transparent and out in the open. For good reason, as you'll hear on today's Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Before returning to our study in Hebrews, we'll take one last look at the book of James. Here now with part two of a message entitled, True Faith Always Leads to Works, is Pastor Ed. When a person says he or she is saved, but their life is no different from the world. Yeah, you say you're a believer, but your life has no reflection of what it is for the Spirit of God to animate you in good works. And he uses this example. This is a startling example when he says this. Look, here's what it looks like. You say you're a believer. You say you love the Lord. You say you want to help your community. You say you want to be a force to be reckoned with in the kingdom. You want to have an eternal impact. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, you meet a guy, a brother. A brother, he starts in the body of Christ. You meet a brother or sister that's hungry. And instead of giving them food, you lay hands on them and go, oh, God bless you. Go and be warm. And uh, may the Lord take care of you when you leave. And James says, is that, is that really faith? The brother doesn't need a prayer. He needs a burger. He needs food. But here we are with our spiritual language. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, you're hungry. I should pray for you. Pray for them and get them a burger and get them some food. And I love how he says this. It's a brother because everything starts in the church. You know, here in the church of Jesus Christ, we get to practice love on one another. It's almost like this is practice and preparation for real life. And it's always good to make mistakes with people that we know are filled with agape love. So that if a hungry person came here, you go, oh yeah, you know, let me pray for you. And you don't give them food or, you know, they have a practical need. You know, a lot of times the church, you know, what happens is people will come with a practical need and you'll give them the church phone number. Oh, call the church. They'll take care of you. That's the same thing as saying, be, go and be warm and be, they're in front of you. They're in front of you and you are the church. Now, there may or may not be a way that the church at large can help them, but you're the church. Everything's not relegated to, well, call the church, call the church, call the church. I mean, even here in our food bank, we have other churches sending people here for help instead of helping them at the front door of their church. And, you know, that's fine. We'll do whatever the Lord calls us to do in serving people. But, man, when somebody's in front of you, your faith should lead action serving them and taking care of them, especially the body of Christ. It's not just relegated to the pastors or the leadership. We are the body of Christ, and we take care of each other. And your faith will lead you to action. 
It's not, well, let me go talk to Pastor Ed. No, you're in front of him. So you are the appointed brother or sister to take care of them, to minister to them, to serve them, and you can by faith. If you don't, then your faith is lifeless. And that's an easier way of saying that your faith is dead. It does no good, church. Listen, hear me out. It does no good to say that we have faith unless it's in operation and in action. That it's alive and vibrant. That we're obedient to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. That, that we, would, we would connect and integrate our faith into our everyday life. That there would be corresponding change because you're born again. Let me just repeat to you. If there isn't corresponding change in your life because of your faith in Jesus Christ, you need to re-examine your life before God. Because just saying you're saved doesn't mean you're saved. Because you prayed a sinner's prayer doesn't mean you're saved. Because you're sitting in church or you own a Bible or you're wearing a cross, or you have some Christian t-shirt, or you went to some Christian concert, none of that matters. Unbelievers can do all of that. What changes, I, in my own personal walk with the Lord, I worry, I'm anxious about things, I'm concerned about things, but one thing, except for some really crisis times in my life, I've never doubted, and I, and, and I have a couple times, so I don't wanna say never, but. Uh, a couple times, real deep crisis, I've doubted, I got so deep and dark that I was wondering if I was a Christian or not, but God was very faithful. But for most of my life, I don't doubt that I'm a believer because I can look at my own life. I can look at my own life and see the change that God has done in my life. You know why? Because I tried to change many times before on my own. You know, when you're addicted and you're in all kinds of junk and, you know, you end up in jail again, man, when you're, a, when you're sitting in jail, you start thinking, I'm going to change my life. Why? Because I don't want to be in jail. Like, what do I get here again? And I feel so guilty, and I'm like, what an idiot I am, and, and Marie's going to leave me now. I need to change my life. So that I make a decision, change my life, and man, you know what? It goes good for about a week or two, and I get comfortable again, and then I'm falling right back into the same sin, running around, and then I'm getting, and it's worse the next time, and worse the next time. My parents watched me do that. My wife watched me do that. It was just a pattern. Oh, he's going to change. Oh, he's going to change. To the point that even after I came home from church and I, I asked God to save me and forgive me, and I came home to church to tell Marie, guess what? Great change in my life. The response was, got to wait it out. It's just another change. My parents the same way. It's like, oh, he's into something new again. He's into something. He got in trouble again, so now he's going to change his life. But that night was a real change because God did the work. And he began the change. And I've been walking with Jesus now for 29 years. And I look back. And although I'm not where I want to be, I'm very far from where I was. Why? Because of the work of God in my life. And I believe there are people around me that can be evidence to the work of God in my life. I believe there are people that knew me before and after that can be evidence of the work of God in my life. Many of you can attest to the work of God in my life. Not because I say I'm saved, but because you see it. And that's important. People need to see your faith. They need to watch you. Oh, well, they already do watch you. And when they watch you, they need to see obedience. They need to see what, what they don't need to see is a compromised, wishy-washy person 
that isn't following Jesus. And let me just speak to the broader church right now of which we're a part. You know, the church today is very discouraging in many ways. The church today is, is very much what Jesus spoke to in the church in Laodicea. The church is lukewarm today. I'm not pointing the finger outside of this room because we are the church. And I realize that this word will be hard for some of you. Let me just bring it home. Whether you're listening on the radio or online or you're here right now, let me just bring it home. Some of you are lukewarm right now and it's not okay. You've made a choice to compromise before the holy and righteous God. You know, when you open up Revelation, you say, what church are you? You know, there's seven churches in the book of Revelation. Jesus wrote a note to all of them. What church of you? Hardly anybody ever claims to be the church in Laodicea. I'm the church in Laodicea. I'm not doing anything for God. I'm not serving God. I'm only living for this world. But I say I'm a believer. Not many people admit that. But people that watch your life, they can see it. Lukewarm. The, the lukewarm church, Jesus said, I will vomit you out of my mouth. You know, vomit is a violent reaction your body has to something that's inside of it and wants it out. Vomit. That word vomit is kind of a nice word. Basically, Jesus is saying, I will projectile vomit you out of my mouth. Nasty, caustic, smelly. What comes out in vomit is not nice. So much so that the illustration in the Bible is like a dog returning his vomit. It's not good. And some of you are in that condition right now. But you say you're a believer. You hang around the church. You might even be serving. And yet you know as well as I do that you're in a compromised state. And God's using our Bible study today to call you to repentance. To call you to a place of surrender to bring you to a place where you realize faith without works is dead. You say you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. Now, let me clarify for you so you just understand. What I'm sharing with you right now is not a call or a plea for you to start serving in this church in some way. Oh, there you go. Ed wants more people to serve and more people in the Sunday school. Don't limit this Bible study to the context of your church family. That's not what we're talking about here. Well, you know, I would be a good, my faith would really show up if I just made a commitment to serve here in this church and, and I may have filled out a ministry application and I did something. I, you know, I need to serve in three places so I can really feel like my faith is exercised out. No, this is your life. God is speaking to your life right now. Serving in the church is great. It's wonderful. You step in, you learn a lot, you're discipled through it. That's great. But don't, don't substitute action with just serving within the context of your own church family. But some of you don't even do that. You don't give faithfully. You don't serve faithfully. You don't help faithfully. You, you don't care faithfully. You're, you're just so caught up in things that don't matter. And in the same breath, you say, I'm a Christian. Yeah, but it doesn't look that way. And you say, well, what does a Christian look like? Not like you. I'm not going to give you 10 lists of what a Christian looks like. I can just tell you right now, your life doesn't sound like God's desire for your life. And think about it in some simple ways here. Simple ways. We're just so caught up in the temporary. We're so caught up in things that aren't going to matter. We're so caught up in things that just will not last for eternity. 
You know, we get caught up in our careers. We get caught up in our hobbies. I mean, I mean, think of it. You, some of you guys know your job so well. Like, you know it inside and out. You might even be an expert in your field. But you know nothing about the Word of God. Why? I mean, it's in you. You should be. God has let you, allowed you to be an expert in your field. People come to you. They want help. They come to you. You're an overseer. Like, you're so good at what you do. And I know if, if you've been doing it for like 10, 15, you don't become an expert in your field overnight. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes effort. It takes studying. It takes long hours. It takes learning from mistakes. And you have it. You're it. You know how to apply yourself. You know how to work hard. But when it comes to the things of God, no time for it. Well, what do you think is going to last? You're not going to work there forever. There's going to be a new expert. There's going to be new technology. You can't keep up with it all. And here you are. You're not spending any time learning about God, serving God, loving God. And it's not going to matter. This isn't really an either or proposition either. You go, well, Ed, what do you mean? Should I just give up my job and just study the Bible the rest of my life? No. You should do both. You should take that same internal effort and apply it to the things of God so that your faith leads to action. So that being the expert of the field, when people come to you for expert advice and the skill that you have, you can also be a spiritual man, spiritual woman, looking for an opportunity in that place to share the love of Jesus Christ with them. God is bringing all these people to you. You know, you might think, well, Ed, no, no, you're the one that studies all day. You're the one that's, I'll just bring them to you. Yeah, but the problem with that is, is that anytime somebody finds out I'm a pastor, the conversation changes. It's like I'm talking, when I'm, on the, when I'm on a plane, I'm talking with somebody, what do you do for a living? I'm a teacher. That's where I start. Because as soon as I say a pastor, they're going to go, oh, what about the giants in Genesis chapter 6? I don't understand about the ark. You don't believe in a whip. Headphones. <laughs> it's like... The conversation just ends. But here you are as a believer in their life already. You're reaching people I'll never reach. But you're so caught up in other things. Hobbies, you know, you know more about sports. You know more about, about fishing. You know more about cars. You know more about books. You know more about technology. You have all this knowledge and no desire for the things of God. I'm a believer. But what kind of believer? With dead faith? Because two things are eternal and that's it. Really, the Bible only speaks of two things that will translate from here into eternity. You know what they are? Number one, the word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but Jesus said, my word won't by no means pass away. And secondly, what translates from here to eternity is the souls of men, souls of women. The souls of men and women, boys and girls, will be in eternity. And so it makes sense that we as a church family would invest our time and resources in the word of God and in the souls of men. You don't want to know more about the things that aren't going to last. But, but it's okay to be into these things because it builds bridge into people's lives. Like, like, for example, in sports, if your favorite sports team has just had losing season after losing season after losing season, you know, I don't have to name the team, do I? And it becomes a conversation starter. And you know the stats of this guy and this quarterback came and this running back. And you have all this knowledge because you've applied yourself to learn. Then by goodness, use that knowledge to build a bridge into someone's life that loves football but needs Jesus. It's not abandoning these things of the world. It's having them in the right priority. And here's the priority. You ready? I'm going to give you a list of 10 priorities. You ready? 
If you're right taking notes, I'm going to give you 10 priorities. Number one, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Number two, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Number three, follow the bronze. I'm just kidding. Seek ye first, of course. Ed, are you putting down sports and hobbies? Absolutely not. I'm into stuff too. I'm into stuff too. And I know more about some stuff than other stuff. And then when it comes to sports and things, I don't really have time for it, but I learn enough to connect with people. So it sounds like I know. Except for the Dodgers. They're worth knowing. <laughs> Just in case you're wondering. Faith without works is what, church? You don't want that to describe you. Number two, let's come back to the text. I might have lost you with the Dodgers, but please come back. <laughs> Verse 18. But someone will say, Maybe you're listening here and this describes you. Someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Just in case you missed it, faith without works is dead, lifeless, useless. And you might say, wait a minute, Ed, I have faith and it's a private thing. I grew up in a home like that. My dad, he was very private. And so when it came to things of religion and politics, that was it. No, we don't talk about religion and politics in this home. It's all private. And I respected that. That was my dad's wish. It was his home. But, but I'm telling you today, your faith is not a private matter. It is not private. It's public. You live in the public square. You have people that love you and care for you. Faith is not private. It's public. It's to be seen. You might say, well, wait a minute. I'm just going to say I have faith. You can have works. I'll have faith. It's both. And the only way people know you have faith is by your works. And you're not saved by works. You're saved what? For works. So it's not by you're trying to please God and make the pastor happy and, and make people happy and show I'm a, I'm a good believer because I want to do good deeds. No, you were safe for this. You could say this. You were born to serve the Lord. You. That's God's call upon your life. It's different context. It, God has you spread out in so many different ways, but you were born to serve God. That's where faith leads you. Faith doesn't lead you to a private, no change of a lifestyle. God says faith is going to lead to works, and faith without works is dead. And that's God's will for your life. So when you're reading through Hebrews, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, all throughout chapter 11, the only way we know of their faith is by what they did. Right? We were already introduced to Abel. And the only reason we know Abel had faith was because of his worship. And then we met that man by the name of Enoch. And the only way we know Enoch had faith was because he was a man that walked with God. And then we met the guy named Noah. Noah has a much more demonstrative way of his faith because 120 years he lived a faithful life as a preacher of righteousness, not with his mouth, but with his hands, building that boat 120 years. Whatever people thought about Noah, I'll tell you this, I'm sure they believe that that guy was serious about his God. Serious. And you go, how do you know he's serious? Because he built a boat over the span of 120 years. And the only people that believed him was his family. Which you know, the hardest people to reach are our family. <laughs> Jesus said as much. The hardest people to convince are our family. 
But Noah shows us that faith can win over a family. And faith, like it wasn't Noah preaching, preaching, preaching at his family. It was Noah obeying God because of his faith. And because of his faithful obedience, his sons and daughter-in-laws got into that ark. Listen, if you come to the place where you say, I believe in God, just understand that's not enough because even the demons believe and they tremble. Belief in God that results in true salvation, true forgiveness, is a belief in God that results in real faith-based, faith-centered action. And I don't want you to be lukewarm. I don't want you to think that just coasting along and living for this world, in this world, is God's design for your life. It's not. Now, you may not be a pastor, and that's perfectly okay. Not everybody's called to the pastorate, and the pastorate is a very difficult calling. You might be called to be a customer service agent, but that's a great calling. Not everybody's called to be a customer service agent, but you are. And so whatever you do in word and deed, you do it unto the Lord. You be faithful. You be committed. And let your light so shine. Remember Jesus said, let your light so shine so that when people see your works, they glorify your Father in heaven. It's not enough. I believe in God. Yeah, but the demons believe in God and at least they shake. What do you do? I just tell people I believe in God. Well, it's not enough. If you truly have a born-again experience, you will be changed. The Bible says that every moment of every day, God's using all things, working them together for your good to conform you, to change you into the very image of Jesus Christ. And you want to have that assurance. Because if you're depending on works today, you're never confident. Because how many works is enough? How many pages of the Bible do you need to read? Some of you, you're so committed to reading the Bible that you're, you're in there and you're just so committed. You go, I'm going to read the Bible an hour a day the whole year. And then the first day you don't make that hour a day, you feel so bad about it. All the other hours you read don't mean anything because you didn't match up to this little goal that you had. But you know, God's well pleased with you. You were sick that day. You were tired because you worked a double shift. Do you don't think God takes that into consideration that you're human and that he loves you still? Do you think God woke you up in the morning? You didn't read your Bible. <laughs> that would be a funny alarm thing, wouldn't it? You know, God is so good and gracious to us. And you don't want to have a dead faith. I know your heart is to serve him, so do it. Don't just say you believe. Live it out. Step out in faith. Watch God work. Take a venture of faith. Give God a chance to work in your life. Find yourself in a place of strength so that other people can see a living, breathing example of what faith looks like. You say you have faith. I say have works. No, they both go together. Faith and works. They tie together through the blood of Jesus. Trust that your faith is in Jesus and on display by your changed life. Nothing compares to it. We'll get an inspiring example of that kind of faith next time on Abounding Grace. Today's message from Pastor Ed Taylor is entitled, True Faith Always Leads to Works. 
Abounding Grace is easy to hear again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or through our church app. Just search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play. Depression. If you've not experienced it yourself, I'm sure you know of someone who has. And yes, even Christians struggle with depression. We want to share an excellent book on the subject called Depression, Looking Up from the Stubborn Darkness, written by Edward T. Welch. We'll gladly send you a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, we're at 877-30-GRACE. You can now order resources like this online at calvaryco.store. That's calvaryco.store. Please also remember it is your financial support that helps us do what we do here at Abounding Grace on this station and many others like it. You can make a secure donation online at aboundinggraceradio.com. Have you been blessed by this ministry? If so, we want to hear about it. And it's easy to share your thoughts and prayer requests at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Scroll down to the bottom of our homepage and connect with us. We'll return to Hebrews next time out on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.